The reading is taken from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow, between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place. And in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high if ye break faith with us who die. We shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. That poem, written in 1915 by John McRae, is a poem worth knowing. Let me give you four reasons for that. First, it reminds us of the pain of death. We are the dead. It's written from the perspective of those who have died in war, those who once lived, loved, and were loved before death cruelly cut short their lives on those Flanders fields, the World War I battlefields of Belgium and France. You know, often it's the case, isn't it, that on Remembrance Sunday, the majority of us will never have served in war. 
we will not fully understand the horrors of war. Yet perhaps this year, with all that we've seen in the media of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, perhaps we now more clearly know and understand the utter devastation of war. Kari Greenbank, who's a wonderful member of our church here at HTC, uh, she's a news reporter for the Australian TV channel Nine News, and she's regularly in Ukraine. She's reporting on the Russian invasion and regularly seeing the pain of death in war. And here is a very short clip, less than a minute, of one of her recent reports. At last report, Ukraine's Prosecutor General said investigators are looking into 34,000 possible war crimes right across the country, and for now, they're prioritising this region. Those on the front line of the nation's fight today recognised for their roles in liberating this area. Dimitro has been promoted from captain to major. I know we will liberate all our territory. But the cost of war is crippling. More than 500 bodies have now been discovered in the Kharkiv region, according to officials. And in the Donetsk region, whole families with young children. In Laman, Donetsk region, Karian Greenbank, Nine News. The cost of war is crippling, says Kari, and she's right. We don't need to have gone to Ukraine. Uh, we don't need to have had a family member who's died in armed conflict for our hearts to be burdened by the pain of death. We cry out, this should not be. The pain of death. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow. Second thing this poem does, it doesn't just point us to the pain of death, it also points us to the poppy of remembrance. This poem is what started the tradition of poppies on Remembrance Day. In response to the unflinching heroism and sacrifices made by many in wars past and present, so many of us today wear these poppies. We wear them to remember those who have given their lives for our freedom. Those many, many people who've died, including those who died in Flanders fields. But of course, the Christian, well, the Christian should really wear a poppy every day. Because we remember that Jesus Christ has given his life for our freedom. In the Bible passage that David read for us from Colossians, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. And those verses you see up there, they remind us that at the very heart of the Christian faith is the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life in death for our freedom, for your freedom, for mine. Freedom that we might no longer be God's enemies, but rather the opportunity to be reconciled to him as his friend. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row. The third thing this poem does, it points us to the peace of the cross. In Kari's report on the war in Ukraine, what was positioned in all those hastily made graves, crosses, row upon row upon row 
upon row of crosses, just as in Flanders fields. That most gruesome, barbaric form of torture imaginable, the cross, now used as the symbol of the Christian faith. Today, as a church, when we placed our wreath on the war memorial a little moment ago, what shape was that wreath? In the shape of a cross. When we were out there and we were singing, what hymn did we sing when I survey the wondrous cross? The cross, which was an instrument of torture, is also an instrument of peace. Look at our Bible passage again, verse 19. Paul writes, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. How? Through his blood shed on the cross. Now, the priest peace that we often focus on on Remembrance Sunday, you might call, if you like, horizontal peace, peace between nations. And of course, it is right, it is good, it is proper that we desire this horizontal peace, peace between nations. But peace will not last if we just have horizontal peace. World history tells us that. Our personal relationships so often tell us that. Horizontal peace does not last, it is so fragile whether it's the war-torn country of Ukraine or the endless conflicts in Parliament or the divisions between the people and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Horizontal peace, peace with one another, it is so fragile. To have long-term horizontal peace, peace with others, peace between nations, we first need vertical peace, peace with God. And our Bible passage says that that peace comes through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. Do you remember what happened as Jesus Christ died that first Good Friday? The curtain in the temple, it was torn in two from top to bottom. That curtain that separated the Holy of Holies where God symbolically dwelt, it separated God from everything else and everyone else. The curtain enacted like a barrier to eternal peace. It was like a, a giant no entry sign that had to be there because of human sin, our sin, and that barrier on Good Friday, as Jesus died on the cross, was ripped open. Peace with God, at last made possible because of Jesus' death on the cross. And it is that peace with God, that vertical peace, that is actually the best catalyst to knowing horizontal peace. Peace between nations and peace with one another. And then finally, the fourth thing to learn from the Flanders Fields poem. In addition to the pain of death, the poppy of remembrance, the peace of the cross, the final thing to get from this poem is the proclamation of the gospel. The last verse of the poem is, if you like, it's the one that's not so popular. Uh, people often say the last bit, it's sort of more propaganda than pastoral. It's just urging people to keep fighting the war. Those already dead speaking, as it were. And what do they say? They say, take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. But as you just look up at that last verse there, what is the foe? that is being referred to there? What if the foe being referred to, the foe that we're quarreling with, 
is not the enemy of another nation. But what if the foe is the enemy of death itself? What if those speaking, those who have died, are saying, take up our quarrel with the foe of death? To you, from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high. Well, if that's the case, then the torch that you and I need to carry is the torch which speaks of how to overcome that that pain of death and experience eternal life. And that is just what the Apostle Paul speaks of at the end of our Bible passage. He says, you and I, you'll know eternal life if, verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And that word gospel The word gospel literally means good news. Or more specifically, it means good news about a victory. The word gospel, it is a military word in the original Greek. Imagine, you know, in a sort of the Roman Greco world, a town crier coming into a marketplace of a town, probably with a flaming torch in hand, to report on the situation in a battle. And what he'd do, this town crier, he would declare the gospel. He would declare, that's what they call it, the gospel, you know, I don't know, the gospel about the Spartans or whoever it was. He'd say, here is the gospel. Here is the good news about the military victory of the Spartans. The good news, the gospel. And what Paul's doing in this verse, he's, he's, if you like, holding the torch high and he's saying, here, this is the good news. This is the good news of victory over death. This is the good news of the victory which must be proclaimed to every creature and must continue to be proclaimed. The good news, the gospel, that Jesus Christ was crucified to bring us peace with God, to bring us eternal life. And it's why today on this Remembrance Sunday, as well as remembering those who have died in war, that we might know horizontal peace. As well as remembering and praying for the conflicts in our world at the moment, such as the war in Ukraine, today I want to encourage each of us to remember this. If we're here today, and if we have a faith in Jesus Christ, let's remember to hold on to the gospel and hold it high like a torch as we proclaim the wonderful peace with God that is available to all who put their faith in Christ crucified. For it's good news. It's an offer of victory over the enemy of death that we see so much in our media and all the wars around at the moment. It is an offer of good news, victory over the enemy of death and the offer of eternal life instead. An offer of eternal life from the one Jesus Christ who conquered death himself and then if you're here today and you would say you don't yet have a faith in Jesus Christ or if you're not sure if you do I want to encourage you today if I may to examine that torch that torch that we aim to hold high here at Holy Trinity Clamham 
I want to encourage you to examine that torch of the good news of Jesus, to examine the gospel, to examine the one, Jesus Christ, who this Bible passage says Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus, the Christian claim is, Jesus is so mighty, he is so majestic, he is God incarnate, and yet, the one who holds all things together out of love for you and for me, he holds all things together, and yet, he was willing to have his body broken and his blood shed on the cross so that you and I might know peace with God. And I want to encourage you today, if I may, that is surely something to remember today.